the top players and legends to the very best analysts around the world from wherever the beautiful game is played. This is BTP. Now, we're talking football. Yes, hello folks, welcome to the weekly episode of Beyond the Page. I'm your host as always, Phil Brown, joining her regular co-host, uh, fantastic comic fighting. Joe on the heels of United's 1-0 win against West Ham. Anything but Vintage wasn't exactly the most exciting game in the world. It's one of those games, Callum, where the points are more important than the performance. This was a big three points for United in the race for top four, but not just in the race for top four. We talked about this on the previous shows. It's really, really important United finish as strongly as possible. They're not going to catch City, we know that, but that's not an excuse just to secure top four and then start to switch off because it's almost at this point already starting for next season. This is where United really need to start making sure they finish as strongly as possible, carry that momentum in the next season. And also about convincing players to come to this football club this summer, which we'll talk about and we'll talk about this ridiculous Glazer situation as well. Um, but we'll stick with the West Ham game for right now. What was your take on what you saw at the weekend? I'll be honest with you, 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 you summed it up when you said it wasn't vintage. It was mm. it was quite a dull game, but at this stage of the season, points rather than performances arguably are, are more important because United, as you've said, need to finish the season strongly. They need to make sure they don't lose a few games and go 20 points or whatever it may be behind City because if you do that, as you've said, perception is massive in football, particularly... Mm-hmm when we come to talk about the transfer window because there is a possibility that United and City could compete for a player or a couple of players in in different positions. Mm -hmm. And if you are seen to be 20 points behind, whether Solskjaer might have a relationship with certain players or the respect to certain players, it's a very, very hard sell, as you know, saying, look, we're going to do this next year. Believe in us and believe in what we do because last year the gap to Liverpool was massive. That's been clawed back and then some this year. So it's important to, as you say, finish the season in a respectable standing and say, look, we might be 11, 8, 9, whatever many points behind, but we're on the right path. And I think I think most people, and including the players that are out there, would, would believe that because from where United were under Solskjaer to where they are now is why he deserves immense credit. And I'm sure we'll come to the, the, the new contract and, and the, the sort of reports that are coming out about that. But... If you look at where United were when he took over to now, there's definitely been progress. Oh, there's definitely been progress. Look, <clears throat> as things stand at the minute, could anyone else come in and really take this United team that much further? They're second place, and I think that's about as good as you can, you can expect with this United team. One of the things that you saw at the weekend is some of the problems that, that United have to address. Being that I have a concern about the front three because to me they don't look desperate to score goals I thought Mason Greenwood played well at the weekend uh, Marcus Rashford again highlighting his strengths and weaknesses he misses too many guilt edge opportunities you just can't have that you can't have a front three say of Martial and Greenwood with their goal return and Marcus Rashford missing guilt edge opportunities you can see how desperate United are for number nine and if you look at United's front play the movement is not great so you see a lot of square passes, right? And then somebody gets down the wing, gets down the line, and you don't see a number nine desperate to get on the end of something. How many times do you see a ball come across the box and the closest central striker is at the edge of the box and you're going, and you look at the passage of play and you go, if he was desperate to score goals, 
He's had a 15-yard run where he's basically jogged. And he's out of position. Ball's coming across the box. There's nobody there. I, I don't know how many times I counted that the weekend. And you're going, does this look like a United team front three that's desperate to score goals? You know, Mason Greenwood badly needs to score goals. If you're going to start from Manchester United, brilliant talent that he is, if you're going to own a starting position at this football club, then you have to be contributing goals if you're starting a forward position. You have to be. Now, what I will say about Mason Greenwood that I say, I've said before, it's different about Anthony Martial. Even when Greenwood's not scoring goals, he's affecting the game, right? And I've said this before, he, he's, he's beating players, he's taking players on, he's popping balls across the box. Yes, he has a, some, in, in some ways he's blighted with the same problems that Riceford is in his decision-making in the final third. That comes with maturity and that will come eventually. But when Anthony Martial doesn't play well, he's not affecting games. And I know he played well against Man City last week, but um, Greenwood does, does affect games, but he needs to start scoring goals. I know he was unlucky at the weekend once or twice, but... Um, I just get the feeling that the United's front front, play, front players are not desperate to score goals. I agree with you, and that I think Martial, as we've talked about numerous times, is is a player that well, he won't turn up on the day. You, you kind of judge that within the first ten or fifteen minutes, as we've said. In regards to Greenwood, I agree. I think he is effective even when he's not scoring. But being a forward-thinking player, goals need to be a key component of his game. They can't just be added value. They need to be at the front and centre of what he's all about as a footballer. And one of the things that I think is going to be interesting with Mason Greenwood in the, the upcoming weeks is the fact that he's been selected by England for the Under-21 European Championships. They're playing three games, the three group games as such, as if it were a normal international break. So I was listening to Danny Murphy, former Liverpool player, funnily enough, today here on the UK radio station TalkSport, and he was saying that that's probably the perfect thing to happen to Greenwood at this stage where he can go away with this under-21 squad. Technically, it's a major tournament. He'll probably be front and centre because he's one of the more established names in that team. And that's probably a really good opportunity for him to get a few goals, to build that confidence in front of goal, um, whether that be from getting in around the six-yard box or whether that be some of the more... um, fancy finishes we've seen from him in the past and I think that's something that's going to be crucial for him because I, he's one of those players like all kind of good classy finishers once he scores I think he'll go on a little run but it's easier said than done breaking that sort of duck when you're going through a spell where you've not scored in a while so I think the goals for him will return people do forget at times that he is so young and mm-hmm. Solskjaer's had to rely on him as a key component of this United team where if the club had, say, got a Sancho last summer, I know we're all fed up hearing about that, but if they'd got a player who was more established in that maybe right-sided area, then you might have been in a situation where he could be put in for 10 games in the trot or five games in the trot and taken out and put back in and managed a wee bit better. But he's one hell of a talent. He's contributing well. And I do think the goals will return. And when they return, I think the challenge for him is, I'm sure the staff are telling me that the club is, don't don't let them return for four or five games and then fizzle out again. Make sure you, like we said with Henderson in recent weeks, you take the opportunity. If Cavani and Martial are going to be doubts with fitness between now and the end of the season, you've got a golden opportunity to show everyone at United that you can be a number nine. Probably not the start number nine in the next two or three seasons because that's a big ask at his age, but definitely saying to them, look, I am the future and I can still contribute in the here and now. Because, Callum, <clears throat> there's big questions that need to be asked about this front three. Because even if Cavani does stay, the question is how fit can he stay through a 38-game season? Yeah. 
right? So if you're saying he's going to be available for half the games, in a sense where he's available and he's fit and he can start, that still leaves a massive gap for the rest of the season. And that's where you lose the league. That's where you draw stupid games because you don't score goals. Like, you look at how many games you know, I mean, that game at the weekend almost reminded me of the Wolves game. Right? Scrappy goal. Yeah, it did come alive a bit when they scored. And it came alive a bit when they scored because one of the fundamental differences between last week and this week is United scored early. So then that meant that he had to come out and come at United and played right into their hands on the counter-attack. They're a brilliant counter-attacking team, but they still have problems when someone sits back against them, they have to cut you open, and again, you're relying too much on Bruno Fernandes sparking to get that creativity, to get that something, to get that opportunity. I mean, you look at the goal against Milan. I mean, lovely to see young Amal get on the score sheet, but the pass from Bruno Fernandes is just out of this world. It's just gorgeous. And it's always about, can Bruno Fernandes spark and create something? That's a concern because other players are going to have to, every time Bruno Fernandes goes down with a free kick, I'm, I'm looking through my hands going, no, no, no. You know, I'm desperate for him not to get injured. Um, but uh, that's a problem. They need to, obviously, not much, not, not enough is being made of the injuries. Right? So for Milan on Thursday, it looks like Cavani will be back, Van der Beek is back, Pogba, Martial. Those are big, big players, Callum. Right? Pogba was in the form of his life prior to that injury. That's a big, big loss for United. Cavani gives United something so different up front that they don't have. Big loss. You know, um, and Martial, Van der Beek are still top football players. That would be a loss for any team. So I think that not enough to be made in the injury situation. I think Solskjaer... That'll, if you can't play well, grind out a win. That's always a positive sign. They grind out a win. It wasn't, wasn't vintage by any means. Um, and uh, maybe if there's one thing I would have done differently at the weekend, <clears throat> I look at uh, Dan James. He's played a lot of football. I thought he started to shoot. He was he started to tire towards the end of it. But I'm a bit surprised that Solskjaer didn't make changes. Um, but um, <clears throat> I was a bit surprised he didn't, take, he didn't take him off, to be honest, because... Um, he he didn't look great. If you looked at United's bench, it wasn't deep. But I'm surprised he didn't give Traore or Matt Traore maybe another 15, 20 minutes or something like that. I think that's fair. And it's important that, as I keep saying, I'm like a broken record, uh, that we use the squad as best we can between now and the end of the season because it's very important when you're going on multiple fronts that you can trust your bench. And you're right, maybe this bench we saw at the weekend was a wee bit threadbare. But at the same time, a man showed in, in, in midweek that he can score an important goal, that he can contribute if he's given the service. So I would probably have liked to have seen him be given a wee bit of an opportunity. Even something as simple as McTominay's on a booking, obviously about 50 minutes into the game. For the last 10 minutes, is there an argument that you could put in, put in a Twan Zabi in his place or even a Matic just to, just to see the game out and introduce that risk of, a, of another yellow following? I know that's been hypercritical, but suppose we've got to look for it for everything as we're going through. In terms of that game, though, um, I don't I don't know whether you rate Declan Ricefield or whether you think he's someone United should go for, but just as a side point, that's a West Ham side that are currently sitting fifth in the Premier yep. League and are so close to, to competing. And they played with basically three holding midfielders, very mm-hmm. defensive, didn't mm-hmm. have a shot at goal. So if he is the sort of player, Declan Rice, that United fans and the United board think is a, is a good target, then... Really, you need to be getting into his head and say, look, you're playing in a team that's putting 10 players basically behind the ball and 
you're still throwing away a game. Come and join us. We can be more expansive, etc., and win stuff. But as I say, I think given how defensive West Ham were, I mentioned the fact they didn't have a single shot on target. It just sums up how defensive they were. That that's the sort of result as you say. United had to grind out. How many times when in, in all his first real first season in charge? Did we see teams part of the bus and United just didn't have the answers? Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that you grind that result out. Yes, the performance might not have been vintage, as we said earlier, but points at this stage of the season are crucial. You see Leicester beating Sheffield United 5 now. I know Sheffield United are in disarray, but it just frustrates you when you look back. <sighs> it's that game at Old Trafford that just it makes you more and more angry by the week when you see them conceding five goals at the weekend there. You just think, what a missed opportunity that was. Oh, my but, God. I still haven't given over that, by the way. <laughs> no wonder, but given the form of Leicester and teams around us, like Chelsea are coming on to a bit of a game, it's important to remember, yes, the Europa League's important in the FA Cup, but use the squad to utilise the, the, the maximum you can get out of them across all the competitions, because at the end of the day, we can't just say, brilliant, finish second, and we've given up the Europa League and the FA Cup to finish second. We need to, as you've said before as well, prioritise all the competitions as best you can, because if you can get, say if United finish second and get a trophy, that is fantastic, I would say, for Solskjaer, given the squad that he's got. That then puts him in a very strong position to say to the board, look, I've delivered the trophy, I've delivered the second place. If you want to go the extra mile, you back me now. And that's when the ownership, as we'll come to later, will be shown as an ownership that, for all their criticisms, is willing to give success on the park a really good goal with Solskjaer given the direction and the upward trajectory that the club are on or whether they're happy to sit in their hands and say, do you know, we've kept that Adidas deal ticking over, we've got the sponsorship money coming in, that'll do us. Well, we'll get to some of that in just a moment, trust me, because <clears throat> um, <laughs> I'm a bit angry over this. Um, but uh, look, as things stand, we also remember, I thought Maguire was exceptional at the weekend, um, part of the reason why West Ham didn't have a, a shot in target. Um, I thought he, you know, for all the criticism that he gets, I thought he played well. And I still maintain that once you need to get a proper centre-back that is the opposite of Maguire, that it is different from his strengths, to me, and it doesn't surprise me, that he, that him and Baye play so well together because they are opposite types of defenders. Lindelof and Maguire are just too similar. So I think once you need to get that other centre-back that complements Maguire then I think what we saw at the weekend will be the norm. I think I still think he's a very, like he's not perfect. He's not an eighty million pound defender. Of course he's not. Right? But I still think he's a good centre back. Um I thought so I'd say I thought he played exceptionally well at the weekend. And again, like you said, Callum, this is a team that's been playing exceptionally well. You never have now done a double over. Um but even if you go back to that first game against West Ham, if memory serves me right, they brought Cavani on at half time. They brought Van der Beek off. And that's when the game changed. Because United missed so many chances in the first half. Greenwood, Rashford had great chances. Missed them. Uh, or no, uh, Rashford, Marshall, I think it was Greenwood come on sub. Scored in that game, uh, if I remember correctly. But I remember the first half, United missing chance after chance after chance. Falling behind. Changed the game at halftime. And there were some similarities in that. United 61% possession. Um, dominated the game. Um, but just couldn't find the quality up front. They got away with it this weekend. They won't always get away with it. That's a big problem. They cannot do that. They, they need to get goals in this team. It's very, very hard to challenge for a title when your forwards aren't scoring goals. You just won't get enough goals from other areas of the pitch. 
and it can't be always down to Bruno Fernandes to build his team out. And by the way, if Bruno Fernandes does not win Football of the Year, then jack it. There is no point in that to it ever again. It is the biggest joke on God's earth. I'm, I, would, I would go as far as to say he's up there with Holland, maybe at Ballon d'Or winner. <clears throat> um, and by the way, remember when people were praising United for not sending Holland because of his potential sell-on clause? Did anyone still believe that? <laughs> right? I remember well, saying to if him, they do, they're awfully quiet. Well, I remember saying to him, I support a football team, not a business. So I don't celebrate things like I'm not going to buy a football player that would dramatically improve a football team and football results and the football experience because we might be able to sell them for more than what we would be able to sell them for you know, if we didn't have that sell-on clause. By the way, that's only optional. That doesn't mean he's going to exercise it. It doesn't mean that he won't sign a new contract and take that out. It doesn't mean any of that. Holland leaves United if United don't match his ambition. If United aren't winning trophies... Then you lose him. If you needed to win trophies, playing, why would he want to leave? To where? And if he does, and you get eighty million for a player you sign for twenty, big deal. Uh, think- well, I think I think that's spot on, and and the reason I, I think you need to look at you need to look at football decisions through a football prism, as you've said, is because as you as you hit the nail on the head, if you sign someone for twenty million and they leave. For 80 million, yeah, you might have got 120 or 140. But see if you've got two league titles and a, a Champions League semi final or a final, or even better, a success under your belt, I don't think too many fans will be complaining. And that's the sort of decision that United and other sides need to make. I mean, Regulong, uh, Spurs, a lot of people were criticising Spurs, even when I know United were linked, but when Spurs signed them as well, always got a sell on. But as you've said, if you get the success out of that player, as a team, as a collective, you win trophies, you can celebrate real success and he moves on. He's done his job and you've done your job. Yes, I don't want to use the word stepping stone because Manchester United should never be a stepping stone. But at the same time, players have different ambitions. They want to play in different countries. They want to experience different things. And if a player like Haaland comes to United and delivers on the park and helps the team achieve things that they've not achieved in, in, in numerous years... I don't think you'll see too many fans crying if he leaves for what's supposed to be a, a cheaper fee than what he would be worth because that success of trophies and on the football field is lasting. And when you have lasting success, you can then build on it to the point where if he was to leave for the 80 million, as you've said, someone else would be desperate to come in and take his place because of the success you've had rather than turn your nose up at it. Maybe have to pay, well, if you were signing him now, you'd be paying five or six times. What, what he was on offer for at the time and and you think to yourself massive missed opportunity you said there about um, United and winning a trophy uh, on the short score and I think Gary Neville said too that he has to win a trophy um, the news came out last week that there could be I think 20 or 40,000 people at the FA Cup final um, what an incentive for the teams left in that Bournemouth, Southampton, Chelsea, Sheffield United, United, Leicester Everton, Man City. What an exceptional incentive for those teams. Imagine finishing the season with the FA Cup and 20-odd thousand United fans at, at, at Wembley. That would be amazing. Very, very exciting to see fans back in stadiums. I understand COVID and all that there, and, and look, people accept their own risks and all that there, but I really do miss having fans at, 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 at uh, these events. 
and obviously we have to do it when it's safe but assuming it's deemed safe I, I have to say I can't wait to see fans back in the stadium it would be the perfect end to the season if United could get there if it's a lovely sunny day and fans are allowed back in and a trophy sealed it would be the perfect end to what's well, been a pretty rubbish time for so many people across the globe it's been challenging whether you are a, an elite footballer or whether you are working in a, in a normal, what's deemed as a so-called normal job, 95. It's been tough for every single person. So many people have made sacrifices, both personally, and they've also had to, to watch family members, and in certain cases, mm-hmm. perish as well. So yeah. it's important that after this, we can see light at the end of the tunnel and that we can start to enjoy the simple things in life. You mentioned a crowd being at a football match. Just the, the simple thought of being able to embrace somebody that you... That you, that you love as a whether it be a fellow fan or whatever, whether it's in the pub or whether it's at the game, and really celebrate a win or a bit of success. Because at the end of the day, football is the most amazing game. But when people aren't there to be able to sit around the table and have a laugh, a joke, a carry on, and even a debate about it, or go to the games and take it in in match day, there is something missing there. We've seen some wonderful goals this season. But as you've said, when the fans are back, they'll be even more wonderful because... There's nothing better when you hear that noise and that shock factor it takes mm-hmm. from the crowd. It's just incredible. Yeah, it really is. <clears throat> really looking forward to that. Let me move on to, uh, of course, the news came out last week about the Glazer family and uh, their attempt to sell shares, uh, percentage of shares in the football club. And I was a bit surprised at some of the responses that I got to putting in this tweet the other day. saying it doesn't affect the club, not taking money out of the club. Unless you know a way of getting 70 to 100 million for free without anything in return, um, I would say it does affect the club. I mean, I don't understand how you can go to investors and say, here, give us 70 million of your money, 100 million of money for nothing in return. And what do you think the Glazers are offering these people? You know, they're offering these people uh, an interest in United's future revenues. Right? That's what shares are. So it does affect the club. It affects the club and their revenues. It affects who they have to pay. Right. And and so we talk about diluting the ownership. I mean, I want the Glazers out, but who's buying these shares? Right. And for me, when you're taking 70 to 100 million out of the football club, selling part equity, when you refinance your home, for example, you take out equity, you get money in the, on the back of what it's worth. Um, they're selling part of this football club to investors who now get, they want the return on their investment financially. Right. They're not giving away free money. So, of course it affects the football club. And we're sitting here being told doublespeak. Uh, we're living in a new financial reality with COVID. Okay. So, people need to wake up their real world. We lost 100 million during this pandemic, so don't be expecting you know, big things this summer. Oh, but you know what? You know what didn't get affected? Dividends. You know what didn't get affected? Glazer's revenue stream. Let's use this football club once again to go to the ATM and pick out another 70 to 100 million. But this ownership, it's good for a football club. Someone's never, no one's ever explained why we're living in a situation where you can't even mention the owners on a football fan phone and it's like shouting Beetlejuice. It's a ridiculous situation. You've got these owners that you can't even mention their name on a football phone and with that utter dread coming over the presenter's face. If they're that great, why can't we talk about them? Why are we allowed to mention them? So, we all know why. 
We, they know what the public narrative is, and they know why the public narrative is that, because it's completely indefensible. 70 to 100 million. Well, by the way, Tom Brady in the same day gets a new contract. 70 to 100 million um, for, uh, for, for personal financial situation. I'm sorry, that was completely indefensible. But you know what? It's been large, largely apathy in the media. It's barely even been given a mention. Harry Maguire in Greece, mind you. Oh, that was talked about for days on end. We have moral pontification from all these journalists. But this was completely unacceptable. Or outrage. But Manchester United being used as a personal ATM is no longer even news. And you see, if you're a fan of a different football club, right, I warn you, this is precedent. Um, when Liverpool fans laughed at United over Glazers, what did they get? Hicks and Jot. Right? They've now got an ownership group that doesn't exactly invest in that football club. Who's now rightfully being started to be criticised. So I caution you about welcoming this type of thing. Because I didn't welcome it when it was happened to Liverpool. I didn't welcome it when it happened to any football club. Because I think it is a disgrace the football is used in this way. For a football club, it's proud historical institution to be used personally as a vehicle for the Glazer family to fund their private ventures is an absolute disgrace, a fucking disgrace, sorry if you don't mind my language, indefensible. And for it to be barely even given a mention really is an embarrassment. You, the thing that annoys me most about it is the fact that, as you say, the situation where all oh, we've lost this money, uh, we've not got fans in, we're, our revenue streams have been seriously cut, we probably won't be able to invest this summer. Yeah, hold on a wee minute. Actually, do you know, we're going to just offload a few shares, offload a few bits of the club furniture, as it were, uh, in terms of shares, and we'll just take the money and we'll just go and we'll just do our own thing. And you're right to draw parallel with the Tom Brady contract as well. When, when the Super Bowl was won by the franchise and the front and centre accepting the trophy, and we even we even heard Joe speak, I believe, um, it really frustrated me uh, as a fan of Manchester United because at the end of the day, it's very easy to stand up there when your team, whether it's United or whatever other business you own, has done well and take all the, 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 the plaudits coming your way and pontificate about how wonderful your venture and your investment and your strategy has been. But this club has been owned by these owners for, you're talking about nearly two decades coming up for in the next couple of years, nearly two decades and one interview in that whole time, which was when they bought the club. That's not good enough. It's, it's simply not good enough. And you're right, the fact that it's not even used anymore is depressing. And it's it's almost really the sad state of affairs at that level of football, any, the elite level of football now where it's sort of becoming an acceptance that that's the way clubs can be used for financial gains or financial vehicles for whoever owner, whoever owns them, whether it's a single person or it's a family or a company entity. And that's wrong. That is wrong. And it frustrates me deeply because if United don't invest this summer and they let Ole be seen as a lame duck next season by giving him the same squad of players he's got a lot out of and they give him that to go up against what you're probably going to see on the other side of Manchester this summer, which is probably clear investment in key positions and 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 an ambition to go dominate the league and dominate Europe for the next couple of years. If United don't stand up and show any financial backbone, 
then I'm sorry, it's simply not good enough. And I, I know COVID's affected every club, but this is Manchester United. This is a club that was talking about how proud they were of their um, TikTok account being the most followed in the world or the most the, the most quickly growing in the world from when it launched. I know on investor calls that's the sort of speak you get, but don't give us those type of snippets from your investor call and not invest when it really matters. Because I'm going to draw the parallel, Phil, and I know the contract, whether it's going to be announced sooner or whether it's not, we don't know, it's speculation in the press. I am terrified of the parallel between Mourinho and Solskjaer being new contract, it's heralded as a success, a summer of caution is maybe said, but there's a bit of hype in the background promised. It goes flat in his face and then 12 months down the line, you're starting this process again and you've got your head in your hands thinking, what could have been? If that happens again, then I don't know how these people can look themselves in the mirror uh, knowing that they they could take this club on an incredible journey and see if they do take the club on a journey. Phil, this is what I do not get with all the criticism they've had, with all the bad press that they've had, and rightly so for the dividends and taking money out, so much money out that may add. Why wouldn't you want to take this club on a sporting journey, win some major trophies, and then... See, see, Manchester United won the Premier League or a double, and you heard Joe Glazer speak, not necessarily taking credit for it. You'd probably see fans going, do you know, we've given them a hard time. We've given them a really hard time, but we've had some success now. Hopefully it continues and we can maybe see a bit of that relationship slowly but steadily repair. When you see this share issue, it seems as if the last thing they want to do is repair any relationship with a fan, because at the end of the day, fans to them are simply customers. Well, look, <clears throat> if I was the Glazers, and I was going to take out 70 to 100 million, I'd do it now. Well, there's no fans in the stadium to react. Because when they come back next season, you don't really want to do it in the final quarter. Do it now. And I'm sure that's been a factor. I'm sure they've looked at that and said, hey, looks like there's going to be fans back next season. This is when we need to take this money out now. So that we, who cares about the backlash on social media? You can easily write that off, right? Very, very hard to overcome the optics of United fans protesting green and gold. Look, when United fans protested green and gold back in 2010 or something like that, that really worried the Glazers, right? They didn't like that. Because very, very hard, when you're going to sponsors, you're selling fan equity. You're going to these big sponsors and saying, look, by your affiliation with this football club, our fans are going to buy your product. Very, very hard to do that when there's a massive disconnect between the club and the fans. And the fans are in the stadium protesting. It looks awful, the sponsors, Okay. That's what United are most concerned about. Their image to financial backers. Because the brand is what sells. They don't care. They believe United's brand is so robust. Like a Coca-Cola or a Disney or something like that. That it will survive the failure. Because it's such an iconic, recognised, universally recognised football club brand. Whatever you want to call it. That, that they believe, like the Dallas Cowboys or whatever, they'll always be this massive club. Because of its history, because of everything that's going on, they they they, they hijacked, and they prostitute across the world any potential sponsor. I don't care that they do that. I care what they do with the money. Right, and so this would be the time to do it. <clears throat> we talk about the new contracts for Solskjaer, and I mentioned the fact I also will refer to exactly the same as the director of football and uh, Darren Fletcher and all this and. Um, these promotions, it doesn't matter about the title. The title is irrelevant. It matters what comes with the responsibilities that are being given to that individual. Because if these 
titles are not about taking away power from people who don't know anything about football and giving that power to people that do, then it's irrelevant. It's just a title. Title means nothing. I live in America. You get titles thrown around. You know, if you're a janitor, you're you you you're you're, you're, you're you know head head of hygiene. You know, nothing about janitors. My mum was one. Salt of the earth. But I'm just saying they create fancy titles for anything. It means nothing. What matters is what does this job entail? What responsibilities are you being given? Because no top director of football in the past was willing to touch this job without that responsibility being properly given. So it's going to be interesting. Director of football is pointless if you're not going to invest. Um, um, this summer, with Solskjaer getting his new contract, Solskjaer has to look at previous failures, just like you said, Mourinho and everybody else. If he's not sitting in that contract negotiation, because he's in a strong position, Callum, right? Because I know there's fans out there that don't like him, and that's fine. United cannot sack Solskjaer right now, because if they went backwards and did that, they'd get slaughtered. And he's been proved this is a better football club today than the one he inherited. So he deserves a new contract. However, what I will say is that this is a time where Solskjaer can no longer ride on the coattails of the future. The future becomes the present at some point. When is the future of the present? We are in that period, in my opinion. Solskjaer has to still has to show progress. Anytime that you need to go backwards, if he hasn't got trophies to back him up like Klopp, then I think you have to get rid of him. So, that being said, Callum, if you need to don't invest properly this summer, then don't expect major improvement. It's not commensurate with what's going on in, 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 in the transfer market. If they're not recruiting this summer with serious ambition, then don't expect Solskjaer to win the league, or anybody for that matter. You have to be realistic about it. That This is not a championship winning team. This is they're not as good as City, one to eighteen, one to twenty-two. That depth, that quality isn't there. You see what happens when Cavani gets injured, when Van der Beek, Pogba, Marshall becomes threadbare. So, I would say that you have to be realistic. You can sit there and slate, slate Solskjaer, but what type of top manager is going to come to Manchester United with all the expectation in the world, and United don't recruit? based on that expectation. The thing that I've, I've said numerous times as well, it's one of my favourite quotes in football, and Graham Soonis, it's very, very straightforward. He always says, buy when you're strong. And United are in a position of relative strength, given what Solskjaer inherited. So see if you don't buy now, then it's going to be too little too late again, and you're going to find yourself in that same irritating cycle. Who's next? What can they deliver? What can they do? What can be achieved? And, and that simply cannot be allowed to happen. I agree with you that the, the future has to become the present. And I think this summer is that moment. I think Solskjaer can rightly say, look, I have got the most or as close to the best that I possibly could of the squads that I've had so far at United. His recruitment overall has been relatively good. I would say definitely compared to Mourinho, who had some, some really high-profile um, mishaps in the market. So... I think he deserves credit for everything that he's done so far. But this summer will be his and the club's defining moment for the next few years because if they don't back him, if they go for third-choice targets or they blame COVID and blame the lack of crowds, 
So, you know the way football works. It's volatile. If United aren't well invest, somebody else will. If United don't go and get Haaland, if he, some, if he somehow was on the market, somebody else will. If Sancho or whoever it may be comes on the market and you don't put that extra extra bit in and go that extra mile, somebody else will. And, and, and when they do, you're going to rue that. And, and, and City this season and going into next season needs to be challenged by two, I would say at least two quality additions to United. We've talked about a centre-half, we've talked about a number nine, we've talked maybe even about a holding midfielder. United needs to make two quality signings, and I'm not talking about going all football manager or FIFA and saying, oh, we're going to get Haaland, we're going to sign Verratti in the one summer. I'm not saying that at all, but you could expect to sign one so-called marquee-type name um, and I don't mean marquee in terms of a shirt seller. I mean marquee in terms of they're going to make their mark on the park. Um, and another player who maybe is more up and coming, maybe is proven at the Premier League level, but maybe hasn't quite made that step up yet, like a Wilfred Ndidi type player who's steady, has shown his ability, and is probably ready for that next step. Because if you don't do it and you don't back him, how can you expect better results? It's the definition of insanity. To, and, and, and if United don't back him, and 12 months down the line or six months down the line, we're having this conversation of doubts and is he the man? That, that, well, that'll be on the hierarchy. But crucially, as you've said, if he is back this summer, which Touchwood he will be, though there can't be any more excuses or looking to two or three years' time. If he was to get a, a number nine that he wants and a centre-back that he wants, then the time to really deliver a title challenge and really deliver... An in-depth run in the European Cup or the Champions League is now because if you don't deliver that next season, rightfully at the end of next season, if United say finish third, they went out of the Champions League at the group stages, that probably would be the time to sit down and say, look, thanks for everything you've delivered us. We're in a better state than when you came in, but we're going to go in a new direction. And I think everyone would be happy with that. What is unacceptable is to not give them the tools that he needs to improve United get rid of them in six months' time and then start this process all over again. Because if you keep doing that, that eight years without a title will become 10, it'll become 20, and soon you'll be Liverpool. And when that happens, then boof, that's a blast from the past you do not want. Yeah, we shall see, mate. On the plus side, Hannibal Mabry signed a new contract. United have been working hard to tie down their young players. Um, Mabry, of course, easy to forget this is a kid that United signed for eight and a half million. It's 16 from Monaco. Uh, he had been called up to the first team uh, back in February and um, fortunately picked up an injury, shoulder injury, was probably going to get called in the Europa League squad had he not picked up an injury, picked up a shoulder injury, he's kept him out for about a month. Um, he is a young kid that uh, is four goals, seven assists, playing for Needlewoods on the 23 team. Uh, exciting, exciting young talent. And uh, good to see him get the new contract, possibly someone we might see in the first team before the end of the year. It's, it's vital to sign the, the, the quality young players at the football club up longer term. Um, we, we saw the situation many years ago when Paul Pogba left the club first time around. And I know obviously there was there was um, factors there that led to that move. But whenever you've got a talent at the club who the coaching staff at first team level and even academy level think is a real opportunity mm-hmm. to, to make an impact in the professional game, particularly at United, you have to get them signed up. Because when you do... You can start to integrate them. You can start to earn that trust from the first team staff in particular because you know that they're going to be there and they're not going to be in a situation where the contract's running out and 
representatives or intermediaries get in their head and say, oh, you've played well for United in these 10 games, let's take you here. So I think that's a real positive. And you're right, when a club like Manchester United are paying £8.5 million for you at the age of 16, you must be a special talent. And I wish them all the best because at the end of the day, every young boy dreams of being a professional footballer. And most young boys dream, I should say, of being a professional footballer. And to see someone be given such an opportunity at such a young age is inspiring. And again, I know he's came from out with, but this is the thing with Manchester United over the years. He's come out at the age of 16 and United, when he becomes a first-team player, Touchwood over the next couple of years mm-hmm. and makes an impact, will be the team that developed him, really, um, to become the first-team player that he'll go on to be. So I think it's vital. I think the fact that the manager is getting a photograph with him in his contract renewal says it all because that's normally the mark of a player that is quite special and you want to keep at the club because first-team managers at any club don't get photographs with academy players signing new contracts unless they rate them very highly. Well, and also you don't want to repeat of the Pogba situation when you have this exceptional young talent. Uh, you don't get him to sign down to that second stage of his development and to keep him. But I want to bring up something because this is often forgotten in the point of Paul Pogba and the story of Paul Pogba is told about United releasing him. And it, it was a clip that came up Darren Fletcher said this, and I actually distinctly remember this at the time. I used to do a podcast with Doran Salomon, who, um, brilliant lad, absolutely brilliant lad, who was, followed the academy forensically, right? Week in, week out. And I remember talking to him at the time about this and asking him about um, Pogba. And he was saying, that here's the thing, he's not playing that well for the reserves. He really isn't playing it that particularly well where you would put him in a first team. And... Fletcher was saying Ferguson had some concerns about his discipline as a midfielder and they ended up seeing him more as an attacking midfielder at the very top, almost in the Bruno Fernandes position, where he would be someone that would score goals arrivedly, but they didn't trust him in a deeper role. And I've said many, many times that when you look at Pogba under Mourinho, he didn't have the discipline to stay in that defensive midfield role. Uh, I remember the game against Spurs when he conceded after, I don't know, 30 seconds. And he came from Pogba not tracking runners. And in his defence, I think, if Ferguson knew that at 18, Mourinho should have known that at 24. Right? 23-24. So maybe we're seeing the best of Paul Pogba because he's being played in his rightful position we needed. Now have the quality behind him to defend properly. But um, I think... It, is an interest, interesting analysis on Paul Pogba and people forget that when he was getting released that he wasn't playing that exceptionally well and obviously that Blackburn game was repeatedly brought up and I do feel that was a pivotal moment um, but um, just uh, to me I think when we look at Paul Pogba great great football player but is it you know I know we've talked is it with him and Fernandez in the same team I think there's a lot of games him and Fernandez can't play in the same team because you know they're going to be really worried about that defensive cover um, but uh, United have missed him, important player. And again, when Pogba comes back and the team finds himself in exactly the same situation that he found himself in before, where he has to play well. He has to consistently play well between now and the end of the season. That is going to be important for United. It is imperative, in my opinion, that United finish behind City with a single-digit difference. It cannot be double digits. And, and, and for Solskjaer, if he does that, that to me represents progress. It would be big progress, and you're right, it's perception, and perception is key in football, especially in this era where you're three three wins in a row away from being a genius, 
and three defeats in the trot away from being a fraud. So it's important that United to get, as I say, within single digits or if it was to be double 10 or 11. Because any more, you're kind of verging on unrealistic to say you're going to challenge next year. So you're right, perception is key. I don't see why United can't do it. I don't see why United can't compete in the Europa League and the FA Cup, given the squad that they've got at their disposal. You've got players like Tellez who can come in in certain games to replace Shaw, and the quality level won't drop considerably. So, um, although Shaw has been exceptional, Tellez for me is still a solid player at this kind of level. So, I think it's important that you utilise the squad effectively when everyone is fit, because if you do, then why can't United get that second place and win a trophy? And if they do, what a way! you're going to be able to sit down with new targets this summer and say, look, we've finished second, we've won a trophy, we're in the Champions League next year, which is vital to all the players and their representatives. Come and join us and help us take us over that line because when you do, you this the, the team that does it will be icons of the football club because it will have been come next season, nine years since the club won the title. So it's important that you sell that to players and say, look, you come here, you win this title and you will always be remembered and I think it's safe to say a lot of players would find that hard to turn down. I agree. On another positive note, uh, Young Palestri had an excellent game for Alves this weekend, played 85 minutes. First couple of games he went there, he was on the bench. He's now starting to play, um, and he had a really, really good game from what what I'm being told, from what I'm reading. Um, Very encouraging, good move. I just wonder if it actually makes sense to keep him there for another season and get a season and a half under his belt at Alves. He still looked, for me, when I saw him playing for the reserves, a bit off playing for United's first team, but very encouraging, Callum, to see him playing well for Alaves at the weekend at 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 an extremely high level. Absolutely, and again, the loan system has to be utilised. I spoke to Ethan Laird about four or five weeks ago, and he's at MK Dons learning under Russell Martin, and Mm -hmm. he went in and within 24 hours played against Burnley in the FA Cup, and he he said to me, and and obviously I suppose you could argue he would have to say this, but He's learning an awful lot playing in a first-team environment. The pressure's oh, not put on yeah. you from senior pros. One of the players in his team is Andrew Sunman, who's had a 17-year career in football. So he's playing alongside someone that's been there, done it, won promotions, played in the Premier League for a while. And I think, as you've mentioned with Palestri, he's playing with players that have played at the highest level in the Liga for a number of years. These are the sorts of players that will demand standards from you in training and on the field week in, week out. And that can only benefit you in the long run. And, and I always think, and you, you've summed up something that I think is, is important. A loan shouldn't need to just be a six months and then bring them back and kind of see how they go on. If he's doing well there and it's working for him, give him another year and then he can come back at the end of that 18 months and really kick on. Because if you bring someone back from playing regularly and making an impact to being a bit part, it can set them back another year or two anyway. And then you're in that boat where if they become a bit part, you end up loading them out the following season mm-hmm. and you've probably lost a season of development. So I wouldn't be against them going for the for the, for the next season as well and really getting that opportunity to play week in, week out at a high level. Yep. Come back, I think he'd be 22 or, or 23 when he comes back and that's a good age to come in and hit the ground running. Uh, on top of which, Jimmy Garner also involved in Forrest's goal with the weekend, one each with Reading and Gian encouraging at the right football club a football club that, of course, has a long tradition of playing football the way you you want to see it being played. Uh, very, very encouraging for for young Jimmy Corner, a uh, player United rate highly, um, benefiting immensely from being at the right club and uh, playing at a game at a very, very high level. I think he's working under a manager in Chris Hutton, who mm-hmm. is 
the perfect manager at this stage of his career, yeah. especially in a loan move, because as much as Chris and his teams like to, to, to play well, he's also very disciplined, so it'll be important for his development that he's playing in a team that if he gives the ball away in too many occasions, Chris and Paul Trollope will be the first to tell him that, that that needs to stop. So I think he's he's at the perfect football club in the sense that they are a massive football club. We all know their history, and he's at a football club that are playing in a league that's very, very competitive. I think you look at Dan James coming into United from the Championship, you look at Tammy Abraham, who went mm-hmm. there, played well with Bristol City, would already end up playing for Chelsea's first team, Mason Mount, another. I'm just thinking off the top of my head here, of course. Um, I think the Championship's a league that you have to utilise if you are a big club, because a year in the Championship can be invaluable for a player's development. And, and I think it's something that United and the other clubs have to look at in a, in a serious serious manner because if Garner goes there and plays well he's there obviously second half of the season but if he was to stay for a further six months or like the Leicester's have said maybe a further year he could be coming back to United with nearly 100 football matches under his belt and that is how you learn especially when you get to 2021 because when you've played week in week out against Premier League players of years gone by your Joe Allens in central midfield and others they're going to give you a real battle because they've got that know-how so that when you come back and you're training with United in that pre-season of returning, you've got a bit more about you because you're street, more streetwise. You've maybe had a daft yellow card, you've maybe had a daft sending off, or you've given a goal away by a silly mistake. You've got those out your system to then come back as a more rounded footballer, but crucially a more rounded person as well. Yeah, and uh, big, big summer here for United, of course. John Merton, now the new director of football, will get to see just exactly how much input he has in transfers this summer. Um, Big, big, state, big statement needed from United. The before we go, Calm, uh, AC Milan Thursday, one each disappointing result to concede very late on uh, a goal that um, Dean Henderson probably should have done better with. Um, one each keeps the tie very much alive, and United need to go there. Need to get a result. I still have confidence that it'll go there and get the result, especially if Cavani, Van der Beek, Pogba, Martial all comes back. I still feel that's the game that it will go and win. But I want to say something because some of the reaction to it really is toys out of the pram. This is an AC Milan team that's sitting second in Syria. It's the best AC Milan team we've seen in a long time. This is not a game that United should have won easily. Very difficult game. And against a, a, a seven-time European Cup winner. Right? A club with massive history. Massive expectation. And a club with very, very good players. Who them, they themselves were also missing. Quite a few players themselves. This was a, 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 in the end they were a bit lucky with a Frank Cassie handball, um, but you know one each is not a disgraceful result against an exceptional AC Milan team. I still feel United, or I'm not a very very good AC Milan team, I, but I still feel United will go to Milan and get the result. Uh, it's no disgrace. You're, you're spot on, and I think it's again a big match that if you come through, you can have confidence in that competition. Not arrogance, confidence to say to yourself, look, we've put out a side that, as you've said, they're second in Serie A, which is a competitive league, more so than ever this year, and you have nobody to fear whoever's left, and I think that's something that United need, because I, I never like when you see a club, any club like United, or whoever it may be, get a, get a quote-unquote easy run in a cup, and then hit a good team in, say, the semi-finals, because I always feel that it can hit a team like a ton of bricks, so I think if United do come through this, which I think they will, because Paul Scholes mentioned this last week on on, on, the, on the UK TV over here. United 
are going into this game where they can kind of hit them on the counter. Not fully, but they kind of can because as, as much as AC Milan, you could say, will defend this league for their lives. This is AC Milan. This is a San Siro. I know there's no fans there, but there's no way on earth they're going to sit back for 90 minutes. So I think this is the sort of game that could play into United's hands and play into their strengths. And as I say, when they go through, they'll hit touch wood, they'll have, they'll have nobody to fear because if you can come through a two-legged tie against arguably one of the best teams in the competition, that's got to give you confidence to say, right, we're almost there, let's go all the way. And if you win a European trophy, I don't care about some of the people online that slag off the Europa League. A European trophy is a European trophy. You could argue it doesn't come to life until the last day or whatever it may be, but it's still a very prestigious honour to win. Absolutely. And if you you do win it, it's something to be proud of and build on. How many times in this show already have we said it's about United building on what they've done so far? And that would be a very nice cornerstone to build from. Well, just the last last comment here, Cam. Uh, On the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer contract, I said earlier, United have to give him a new contract, in my opinion. I think United will learn from the past, especially the Mourinho situation, where things can turn sour very quickly. I think they'll have get-outs in this contract that limit their exposure if they have to sack Solskjaer. Um, they'll be loath to do that. I said the first time when Solskjaer was getting this contract from um, caretaker manager to full-time that it's imperative he stays strong on transfers because he's in such a strong situation back then where he was winning games week in, week out. You then had to give him that contract, in my opinion. Um, and then he, rem- he sh- has to remain strong. I think the one thing we now know about Solskjaer is he's not a pushover. I expect that he will stay strong about transfers. I expect that he will start and be in a situation where he mandates a football club support him. Because if Solskjaer wins games and decides that you know he 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 leaves a football club because they don't they don't invest, I don't see it happen. I don't see him walking at United, right? Um, but the alternative is him getting sacked because he doesn't he doesn't win games. This is his reputation on the line. This is everything for him. And we're going to find out over the next three years whether Solskjaer is a real manager or not. When I say a real manager, I mean a guy that's capable of winning trophies because that ultimately is the question. right? We He's done, an, in my opinion, an exceptional job. Not a perfect job, an exceptional job. right? And, he, and I would definitely give him a new contract. This is still, for me, the best United have looked since Ferguson. In terms, and I, I know they're not perfect every week. They certainly weren't under Ferguson either. There was plenty of games that were barely, barely watchable, right? I mean, I still remember some of the teams that Ferguson put out. I mean, every once in a while, a, a, an old picture pops up of Wolfsburg away and other teams, and they were just appalling teams. But did somehow won games. I'll never know. But I, 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 I have to say, I have to say, I feel that um, this is the best United have looked. We see academy products being promoted in the first team, which is very, very exciting. That now has a functioning academy that is producing players that are capable of playing in the first team. That's encouraging. We see greater progress there. Plus, we see a United team with the likes of Bruno Fernandes, um, exceptional players that they didn't have before, match-winning players, some of the best football. Bruno Fernandes, Luke Shaw, playing out of their skin. I think this is still the best United we've had since Ferguson. So I would definitely give him a new contract. Don't disagree with that. But this summer is really, really important that he gets the players he needs to move United forward, not the players to keep United where they are. If they repeat what they did last summer, they're not serious about winning the league. So big statements this summer. And I'll tell you something else. Traore, Ahmad, young Ahmad Diallo Traore, scored at the weekend. 
are scored against Milan, United will do everything they can to convince themselves they don't need to buy Jadon Sancho. They don't want to spend the money, naturally. So if that young kid continues to show progress, continues to show exciting quality, continues to show that he is a, a very serious contender for that right-wing position, then United will spend that money somewhere else. Absolutely, and, and you hit the nail on the head again when you talk about the academy being crucial, but also having established stars like Bruno Fernandes, because when you enter the market, it's important that the established stars you bring in are the right ones to complement, first of all, the squad that you've got, but also set a good example in and around the club for the young players coming through, because if you've got a Sancho or a Fernandes or a Haaland or whatever superstar you've got currently at your club, it's important that they set the right standard and push the young players on with their inspiration to become better players week in, week out, because we've agreed for a long time in this show, Phil, that a quality Manchester United side always has established talent. It also ha- always has academy players coming through. And crucially, it's always a team that looks to attack and win games. That's where I believe managers have went wrong in the, in the, the last decade almost because there's been certain elements of United's DNA and culture that's been adhered to in certain parts that have been sort of disregarded for now and we'll get to those later. Solskjaer's got all of those at heart. It's a massive summer, as we've both said. And I think he's in a strong position, as you've said, with a new contract to get what he needs, to get what the club needs. And if he can do that, then why, why can't United be seriously competing next season? We've both said it has to happen or else you won't compete. But why can't it happen? There's never a stronger time to invest in now. Couldn't agree more, mate. We'll go ahead and leave it there. Thanks as always, Callum. Don't forget to check out my comment here at Football CFB or Callum CFB. Fantastic content, especially if you're United fans. Some magnificent stuff up there. Folks, as I say every week, um, take care of your mental health. Take care of yourself. Uh, I hope you're all doing well. I know these are tough times for everybody. Some light at the end of the tunnel. These things are going to get better. Trust me, they will get better. Um, take care of yourself. Our thoughts are with each and every one of you. Uh, each week we mean that sincerely Cal we'll go ahead and leave it there mate so take care of yourself take care of yourself Phil take care of everyone that's listening and thank you for your support because we couldn't do it without you take care mate absolutely folks cheers bye